This is the Hockey Show with Dave Rothenberg, presented by the All-American Auto Group, the number one Ford auto group in the Northeast. Learn more at allamericanford.net. Yes, welcome. It is another edition of the Hockey Show. Dave Rothenberg with you right here on 98.7 ESPN. As always, the Hockey Show brought to you by the All-American Auto Group at locations in Paramus, Hackensack, Old Bridge, and Point Pleasant. And Slomans, call 1-800-ALARM-ME to receive a free doorbell camera with the installation of your Sloman Shield. Keep your family safe. Call 1-800-ALARM-ME. Uh, we have a an action-packed show today. Ken Danico on the Devils and kind of a, a retrospective of where are they now will join us a little bit later this morning. Michelle Jingris, who covers the Rangers for MSG Networks, will join us in just a couple of moments here on 98.7. We'll hear from Barry Trotz as well. We'll look ahead to next week, look back at what we saw this past week and put a big bow on another edition of the Hockey Show. We hadn't seen the Rangers in two full weeks. And oh, my goodness. After not seeing them for two weeks, they they brought hockey back with a bang to the garden. Phenomenal game against the Bruins. Uh, a Really an entertaining game against the Red Wings. They get three out of a possible four points. You had everything. You have, you have Shesterkin. You know, they, they, they call him into the locker room. They have to do a concussion test. I, I don't know what concussion test lasts five minutes or less, but I guess they got that done. He passed protocol back onto the ice, played wonderfully in the shootout. Rangers get the win with Keandre Miller. And then the other night against Detroit had a golden opportunity to win that game. Ryan Strom on his stick, empty net and just shoots it through the crease instead of into the net. But overall, three out of four points for the Rangers in these two home games. So a pretty good job uh, by the Blue Shirts. All right, let's bring her in. Michelle Jingris uh, serves as the host reporter for MSG Network's coverage of the Rangers and, of course, the Red Bulls as well. Rangers back on the ice in Ottawa. That's tomorrow. Uh, pre-game coverage getting underway 4.30 on MSG Networks. And if you want more, Michelle, because I think we all do at this point, you can watch her and the Red Bulls. They open the season next Saturday, um, February the 26th, on the road against the San Jose Earthquakes with pre-game coverage getting underway at 5.30 p.m. on MSG Network. Michelle, thanks for taking a couple minutes. We appreciate you joining us here on The Hockey Show. Thank you so much for having me on, and thanks for giving some Red Bull love as well. It's hard to believe that we are embarking on another soccer season. I feel like the last one just ended, but uh, here we are. So, yeah, you're right. Next week, uh, it's going to be Rangers and Red Bulls. So you're going to be busy. You know, it's funny you mentioned that, and I know that's the hockey yeah. show, but uh, uh, did did soccer not end like, like six weeks ago? Ugh. It's a very long season. Yeah. Um, it, it did. It ended... Uh, I think that it actually ended, I want to say, late November, early December. Um, and they wanted to start earlier this year with the World Cup and just wanting to give players a chance to actually get to play. And there'll be some breaks as well. So, yeah, the season this year is kicking off, like like you just mentioned, last week of February. Rain, uh, Red Bull's first home game is like mid mid to early March, so that's going to be nice and uh, chilly out there, I'm sure. But um, it should be it should be great, yeah. All right, so we appreciate all the Red Bulls' work. Fans of the team hope they do great. Let's let's focus on the Rangers here because it is the hockey show. How surprised are you that we're sitting here, you know, mid to late February talking about the Rangers as one of like like clearly you have to look at them as a playoff team and and one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference right now? Yeah, you know, surprised, maybe pleasantly surprised. I I wouldn't even necessarily say surprised for sure. I think. 
watching them this season, even from the beginning, I mean, the message has been the same. I, I remember doing my very first report on opening night and it was all about Chris Kreider talking about how there was just a different feel around the team this year and that they had all of these pieces kind of in place in the way that they wanted them to, you know, that this year they wanted to take that next step. It wasn't just about a rebuild. Like now it's turning the corner on that. So that was kind of the message just from day one. And and obviously, right. Like it's easy to say that and then not follow through, but they really have followed through with, their words and they've been consistent without, I mean, maybe a couple of lapses in the beginning of the season, but really hitting their stride. And, and now we're in this position where you're right. We're having the conversation of them being in a playoff position. Um, you know, just the, the consistency we're seeing up and down the lineup. I, I think the pieces for the most part were there in the past. And now they, those pieces have developed even further with just another year of experience and then you just add players like Barclay Goodrow and Ryan Reeves. And these are guys that have just been such big impact players for the Rangers in, in the way I think they kind of needed this season. So you mentioned Kreider and you, you talked with him before the season. Um, you know, I, I, I think he's kind of a fan favorite. And I think everyone is a, a huge fan of Chris Kreider. And, and, and there's really nothing he can't do, right? He's big. He's fast. He's physical. He, he's, a, mm-hmm. he's, a, he's a terrific player overall. But it felt like something was always missing. Right. Like like Kreider is really good. But at what point does that that, you know, switch flip and he's going to be this great player? It feels like this is finally that year. It's taken time, but it doesn't it feel like this is finally the year that Kreider is what we've always hoped he would be. Yeah, I mean, you're seeing it. And I mean, he's he's been with this team for a long time and he's gotten a chance to learn from leaders on this team, really strong voices, you know, Ryan Callahan, Henrik Lundqvist, guys at Marty St. Louis, you know, guys that really set a precedent. And I think it's kind of helped him either subconsciously or not just establish the kind of leader he wants to be as well with this team and also just the way he wants to play. And, and I read a really interesting article earlier this season in the New York Post that was just about he spoke a lot about just not needing validation from other people, you know, and that comes with maturity and just knowing that if he's doing the right things every day, going out there and playing the way he knows how to play, then he's really only needing to answer to himself. And it's funny because he's had all of these stellar games, right? And he's leading the, the team in goals and power play goals. And if you ask him about any of that, though, he's very like he deflects it. Like he doesn't want to talk about himself. He's a very humble guy. Um, and he just credits it to like, oh, well, you know, my teammates just keep putting me in the right position to score and they know how to get me the puck and I'm doing those things. But he really, I feel like in the off season worked a lot on that positioning in front, like the net front presence, really learning how to move his body in the right way. You see him after practice working with Mika and just really taking the extra time to work on these, like finessing the little things. And I think then you're seeing it kind of come to fruition in the games, um, so for him, yeah, I'm sure it's been a process, but he's just been such a great teammate and a leader. And so many times this season, if you think about it, like the, the Rangers have been down a goal or, or needed a spark in one way or another, and he's been the guy to do it for them. So, yeah, I think he's he's definitely having the best season of his career so far, and he's not really showing any signs of slowing down, which is a very good positive, especially as they ramp up with the last, what, 30-something games. Yep, not not too much uh, to go. We're well into the second half. Michelle Jingris joins us here on the Hockey Show, covers the Rangers and the Red Bulls from for MSG Network. Um, 
you know, we didn't have Rangers hockey for two full weeks, and then they came back with quite a bang this past week, that mm-hmm. the game against the Bruins and the Red Wings, and they're like, no, 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 60 minutes of hockey, not enough. Let's play three-on-three overtime. That's not enough. Into the shootout we go. You couldn't have gotten a better two games. Maybe the result the other night against the Red Wings, you want the extra point, but those were two pretty exciting mm-hmm. games for the Rangers returning from the All-Star break. Yeah, and I think, like, you hit the nail on the head. Like, they didn't play for two weeks. A lot of these teams have been playing. I think the Bruins had had, like, four games under their belt. So they were kind of ready back in the action, you know. I think the Rangers looked a little rusty at the start of both of those games, um, just struggling to kind of play that first 20 minutes. I think that's one thing Barclay Goodrow last night even said that, that they they want to work on is just playing the first 20 minutes like they've played the last 40 minutes, Um and, and, you know, they're, they're a confident team. Like, they lead the league in, in comeback wins right now. But that's not always the way you necessarily want to play. But just thinking back to that Bruins game and Igor Shosturkin in the last 40 seconds, you know, he, he gets hit, but he thinks he's, he's fine. And then he gets pulled. And you think Alex uh, Georgiev is going in. And, and the emotions associated with all of that. And then to come back and then to, to win it for your team in the shootout. Um, that was such a thrilling way to come back. And the fans at the Garden this year have just been incredible. I mean, I think, you know, with COVID the year before and when there were no fans in the arena, it was such a different feel, you know, even when you'd have these big games because it would literally be like 15 people in the arena, you know. Uh, we're all wearing masks. We're all so spaced apart. Um, so to have that energy and that support, and Shostakovich talked about that a lot, actually, this season, just how he's really fueled by the crowd. Um, and he just, he wants to win for them. And, and I think you're kind of seeing that when he, when he came back um, in that Boston game, like everyone was chanting and I was just standing there watching. I was like, I got chills for a second. Cause it was just like, it was just, it was like magical in a way. Um, and then, yeah, you know, the Detroit game, I thought they played a good game, same thing, good 40 minutes. Uh, even the second half of the first period, they started to kind of find their rhythm a little bit more creating more chances. Mika Zibanejad had a great goal. Keandre Miller, I mean, this guy, his confidence, he's been phenomenal the last two games. Um, but, yeah, it just, it just was a little bit not enough in the shootout for them, um, unfortunately, against Detroit. But, yeah, you're right, two incredible games to come back. So if you're a Rangers fan – been a fun week. It, it, it certainly has. So you mentioned Shesterkin, and boy, was he not happy when they took him out of that game the other night, huh? Smashing a stick uh, up yeah. on, the, on the glass. He was very unhappy. But the amazing thing to me is he's still so young, yet it, and, and we, we, we've seen New York eat guys up and spit them out, but this, it, it feels like he's so I, I, I prepared. I don't know if that's the right word. Like, like mm-hmm. it, it, it's, it's so easy for him to deal with with New York and all of the difficulties that come with it. And he's, he's kind of done it in stride without missing a step. It's, you know, for, for a lot of athletes, yeah. it's, that's not easy. It's remarkable what he's been able to do early in his NHL career. Yeah. And I feel like now we're seeing, like we're really seeing the fan base embrace him. Like just going back to what I was saying about the chanting and just the support in general. But I think it's a testament to just the kind of confidence he plays with. And, and just also like, a perfect example is that Bruins game, like that mental, think about the mental toughness there to go out, to have to kind of compose yourself again, to have to do whatever he had to do to get back into the game. And then to be able to put yourself 
the level of focus that you need, um, and then to, to make those saves in the shootout to get your team to win. I mean, that's just such a crazy range of emotions, you know, and to be able to be so composed in those moments is, is really special and really, really unique. I agree with you completely. Uh, who's the leader of this team right now? Is it is it Truba? Because it, it feels like if you ask most people, they would say Kreider, but I'm wondering if, if you might have a different answer. You know, I think it's like a little bit of both. I think Jacob Truba, anytime Gerard Glant is asked about his leadership, he just raves about him. So, yes, I definitely think Jacob Truba has really stepped up in the room and on the ice as well. He, You know, you remember a couple of times, Similarly to how Kreider has provided a spark, whether it's, you know, scoring a big goal or just being in the right place at the right time, sometimes Truba's kind of provided that spark with, you know, not letting other teams just rough them around. You know, if it was a timely fight or something that made sense, um, you know, he would create a spark that way and kind of get the guys motivated. And, yeah, I think it's, it's fair to say he's definitely a leader on this team. But I think you're seeing you see leaders in, in just different ways. Like you're seeing Kreider's leadership skills and just the type of teammate he is. You see Jacob Truba. And then you see players like Mika Zibanejad who maybe aren't like the most vocal leaders, but are leading by the way they play, you know, 200 feet. Um, if the goals aren't necessarily coming, Mika's doing everything he can on the other end of the ice. And I think that just sets such a good example as well for some of these younger players. How, how about a glue guy? Michelle, is that Barclay Goodrow? Is he the guy that you look at and say he's he's the glue guy of this club? Yeah, you know, he's a good one. Ryan Reeves is also another glue sure. guy, I think. You know, I, I don't know if you've seen the the clips going around of, of him screaming whichever goalie is the one in net before. So if it's Shesterkin or moments before they go on the ice, he, he basically yells. Chesty, release us! And it's crazy. Um, and it kind of gets the guys just hyped up, you know? Um, and they go out of the tunnel, and he does it every period, whether it's Georgie or Shesterkin in that. Um, and I think that that's the kind of thing that maybe, I don't want to say they were missing, but like a, a player like that who can provide the spark on the ice when you need it, but also just in the room is just one of those guys that you just you have fun with. You know, another guy I think could be a glue guy is Ryan Strom as well. I mean, he's someone who's really just personally, he's great with the media. He always is, is so willing to answer questions. And um, I just think the way he is in the room with, with his teammates as well, uh, he's very jovial. He's, he's fun to be around. I think he's another one of those guys that you could kind of throw into that category. Well, Michelle, listen, we really appreciate a couple minutes on on the hockey show here on 98.7 ESPN. You've done a great job kind of outlining what what the Rangers are and outlining everything with this club. And I I hope it's a fun second half of the season for you because the the first half certainly was tremendous. So thank you. Uh, Appreciate a couple minutes and hopefully we'll talk to you down the road. Yeah, thanks very much. Anytime. Okay. That is Michelle Gingras, who joins us here on the Hockey Show. When we return, the Islanders. Not a great week for the Isles. We will break that down next, right here on 98.7 ESPN. Andy from Merrick presents today's defensive analytics. Sponsored by Slomans, the leader in home defense. It's often said that the most important ability is availability. Time logged on the ice by a defenseman can be critical to defensive hockey. For the locals, the Rangers out of Fox, the Devils Damon Severson, and the Islanders out of Pellock each lead their teams in ice time.
to The Hockey Show with Dave Rothenberg, presented by the All-American Auto Group, the number one Ford auto group in the Northeast. Learn more at allamericanford.net. And a good Saturday morning as we roll along here on The Hockey Show, 98.7 ESPN. Uh, Joe Wiz coming your way in just a a couple of, uh, not more than a couple minutes, I guess about 40 minutes from right now, 35 minutes from right now. And then I'll be back at 9 o'clock this morning taking you right up until noon. And then I hand it over to Anita Mark. So a good, solid day of sports talk here on 98.7. And you can add to your collection. What What do I mean by that? We have a giveaway, an autographed New York Islanders puck to giveaway. Very easy to enter. All you have to do is text GOAL, G-O-A-L, you're familiar with that, to 44202. That's GOAL to 44202. We'll select a a winner at random and send them the puck, all from your home for the hookup, 98.7 ESPN. So the Islanders uh, had a rough start to the week. They they lost to the Flames. They lost to the, and this is so unattractive, to the Sabres. You lose to the Sabres and allow a bunch of goals to Buffalo, and you've had a, a rough night. But they rebounded on Thursday in, I think it's fair to say, a a must-win game. Now, the Islanders are in heaps of trouble regardless with any real shot at the postseason, but the team, I I guess in actuality, you're chasing and have to pass is Boston. So you needed to gain two points on them and have them get nothing, and that's exactly what happened. Islanders with a 4-1 victory over the Bruins uh, on Thursday night. Here's the head coach of the Islanders. Did you like your team's effort against the Bruins for one win? I like our effort. I would probably say the first period wasn't our best. We were just not as detailed and we're working, but we weren't as committed to real high, high compete that you need to play against the Boston Bruins. And I felt we were okay, but there, there's another level there. And I thought in the second and third, we played to that level and uh, we got the results that we needed. I thought, uh, you know, we've we got a real good power play goal. I thought we got some energy after that. And then, uh, you know, our, I think our five on five game was really strong. We had some firmness on our forecheck. We didn't give them easy exits we had good gaps and we forced them to earn every every inch on the ice and that's that's a a good islander game for us and that's what the islanders have to do right Uh, close to the vest game when they have opportunities put the puck in the net and play very defensive and kind of grind out the wins and that's exactly what you got against the bruins with a 4-1 victory uh so the islanders fell behind in this one uh late stages the first period taylor hall scores his 11th of the season Beats Sorokin. We'll run through the rest of the scoring, the four on answer for the Islanders in just a moment. But Barry Trotz, here's, here he is on Sorokin bouncing back after that first goal to Taylor Hall. Strokey, you know, the first goal he'd probably want back, but he made some big saves, key saves when it was still 1-1. He made a, a real key save in, in the second period. And, uh, and I think from that, uh, you know, we just got confidence from that. Yeah, he's such a good goaltender. We're, we're, we're fortunate we have two good goaltenders, and, you know, we, we responded. I, I just You get energy from the big save. You get energy from a big special team stop or a goal, and, and we stuck with it. Uh, we stuck with it, you know, right to the end. And really, uh, I thought Boston didn't get much in the, in the second third I think they only had 13 shots I have to look at that but I think they had 14 in the first period so there you have it. that is Islanders hockey at its finest uh, like I mentioned Taylor Hall at 17 26 of the first uh, Pajot scores on the power play which is important for the Islanders to have success there at 11 30 of the second tying the game at one and then the third period was all Islanders Dobson made it 2-1 Barzell makes it 3-1 Brock Nelson with an empty netter makes it 4-1 
Here is Barry Trotz. How encouraging was it to have that kind of a third period against Boston? It helps the confidence. I mean, you're you're absolutely right. We've been in a position a couple times and haven't done as well as we'd like. And, you know, it's not going to hurt our confidence. But I, I think when you, it's positive reinforcement to see the game that you have to play. And, and we did that. So that's a, that's a step in the right direction for sure. Oh, absolutely was. And your three stars in that game for the Islanders, Matthew Barzell, uh, number one, Noah Dobson, number two, and Brock Nelson, your third star of the game. Barzell with a goal and assist, Dobson with a goal and assist, and Nelson, well, you guessed it, with a goal and assist as well. More Barry Trotz, the importance of Dobson putting the puck on net, shooting more really overall this season. Well, it's been big. I mean, I, I think, uh, uh, you know, Dauber uh, is feeling that he's not only just a member of the team, but he's a big part of the team now. I think he's crossing over to that to that player that you rely on to, you know, he's on our, running our first power play. He's playing in lots of different situations for us. He's creating some offense. He, he gets, you know, to join the offense a little bit in, in, in situations. And I think he understands that he has to, you know, have some really good impact uh, for us. And, and tonight did. There, there is nothing better than the hockey nickname. You could just take any name and, and throw like a, a Dopsy, right? Or a Soroki. And it just, you're like, oh yeah, no, that's a nice nickname. But God forbid you say Sorokin, you have to add in the, the Soroki, which let's be fair, is not a great nickname. Like, no, but I, I don't, I, I think we should probably get trots on, on the show solely to discuss the nicknames. You got to be better than that. Shistyorkin? Yeah, Shistyorkin. You can go Shistyorkin. Uh, Igor, right? Go with the first name, but Soroki, that's a struggle of a nickname. So, all right, we mentioned it. The Islanders, is it speaking Huska? of struggle. All right, enough. All right, Islanders had their struggles earlier in the week. They lose to the Flames. They lose to the Sabres. And you, you can feel it slowly fading away. But in an absolute must win against the Bruins on Thursday night, this team raised the level of their play and they, and they got the victory. Did you sense that your team here as Barry Trotz again played with more pride and, and motivation in this game against the Bruins? I wouldn't say it was there at the start because we didn't play that way. But I think, you know, we the second and third, we got our composure in terms of the way we needed to play. And I think we did a good job with it. But uh, the first period was a little bit light and lax for us. If we just put a, a real good 60 minute effort today, I think was they scored first. So I think that's 10 of the last 11 games that the, the opposition has scored first. And I didn't know how we were going to respond because it's been a, you know, we've been fighting. Uh, going upstream and when it comes to the games every every game we're chasing it and today I was wondering how we would respond in the second and third and we responded well yep with a much needed two points and you know sadly that's that's what the Islanders have to give you I mean there, there can be no more well we got a point out of this game we lost in overtime out of this game the Islanders they, they really have to get to it now they really have to get to it they trail Columbus that's a team I think they can catch. They have uh, four games in hand, seven points behind. Columbus not great, fine. Detroit follows that. You have seven games in hand at the moment against Detroit. Ten points back, fine. And then it's Boston. 16 points back of Boston. So if you're the Islanders, I mean, you have to play elite hockey the remainder of the season and down the stretch. And we'll, we'll run through their schedule a little bit later in the show, but not a daunting week. Not a daunting week by any stretch for the Islanders to try and get their way back into at least having important games late March, early April of this season. All right, so that's our kind of focus on the Islanders. We'll look to the Devils next, and how will we do it? Ken Danico from the MSG Networks will join us. 
in just a moment. We'll break down everything going on with the Devils. What might they do at the trade deadline? And what is Ken Danico outside of working with the MSG Networks doing this very moment? We'll get to all the pressing questions and we'll do it next. It is the Hockey Show on a Saturday morning. Rothenberg with you right here on 98.7 ESPN. Today's Hockey Heart Spotlight shines on the Kyle Palmieri Foundation. Created by the longtime devil, current Islander winger, the mission of the foundation is to give back to the Patriots who put their lives on the line to preserve our freedoms as Americans. Raising funds to benefit the military community is personal to Kyle as he has multiple ties to the military. Show your support and go to kylepalmarifoundation.com to make your donation and show your support for the military. Hockey Heart Spotlight is brought to you by the law offices of Andrew M. Cohn. For two decades, providing high-end legal services for families who have a child with a disability. The power play is to call 516-877-0595 or go to the web at amcohenlaw.com. to the hockey show with dave rothenberg presented by the all-american auto group the number one ford auto group in the northeast learn more at allamericanford.net and it is a saturday morning the hockey show with you dave rothenberg 98.7 espn as a rangers fan i i love this guy but i hated this guy all wrapped up into one kenny danico joins us from the msg networks kenny good morning thanks for a couple minutes my pleasure. How are you, man? And if you didn't hate me, I wasn't doing my job. So I guess that's a good thing. <laughs> exactly. You were you were doing more more than your job. More more than your job because I think the Rangers fan. But you know what I will say about you? Even though you were, and I'll be honest, like like disliked by the Rangers fan base, I think you were ultimately respected by the Rangers fan base, which is really all you can ask for, right? Well, absolutely, much appreciated, and and I always tell the story that when I was. Uh, during or starting the broadcast uh, industry with the Devils, and I'd walk into the garden a couple of years after my career, and I'd hear a few explicitives. I'd kind of have to cover my my head with my arms. I kind of go inconspicuous through the through the garden because I'd get yelled at. And then about two three years after that, it went pretty well. A lot of Ranger fans said exactly that, and I appreciate it. I'm a hockey fan. I love the competition. It was about rivalries, and yeah, they're very polite and nice and say, "Hey, man, you just." You know, enjoy listening to you, whatever it may be, but we hated you as a player. And so it turned quickly, <laughs> which uh, I appreciate for sure. But uh, uh, look, that's what it's all about, rivalries. And, and certainly uh, we had a great one with the Rangers during my time and my era. Yep, and I think that's, that's a badge of honor for any, any athlete to say that they're hated but respected in the opponent's arena. So let me ask you about this, this current Devils team. Um I think a lot of people thought they'd take a, a step forward. Maybe not playoffs, but a step forward. So I'll just bluntly ask you, kind of in your mind, uh, what what's happened this year that the Devils have not had a more successful, from a, a point standpoint, season? Yeah, uh, well, there's a few things. And, and obviously, all of us thought it would materialize a little quicker than it has, and, and it's been a little bit of a setback. But, but a lot of circumstances, not excuses, but it is what it is, and it all starts with goaltending. I mean, you, you have a plan going into the season with Blackwood, uh, taking that next step while well, he's got a bad heel, couldn't really find his game this year. And then you sign a, 
a veteran free agent goalie, so you kind of have a nice tandem 1-1-A in Jonathan Bernier. And things started very well the first 10 games, kind of what we were hoping for. But both guys go down. We don't have uh, our 1-1-A or goaltender most of the season. And we used, I believe, six guys. And some guys, you know, look, they're, they're working hard. They're trying. They, uh, but the young kids that have come up from Utica who are having a great year, uh, the team and these goaltenders, you know, probably not ready for this uh, platform just yet, playing in the National Hockey League, getting good experience along the way. But uh, goaltending is everything in this league, and I think that's been a big part of it. And certainly when Jack Hughes went down in game two of the season, that certainly hurt the Devils as well. We're not a team like maybe the veteran clubs that can afford to miss key guys and Dougie Hamilton out. And, and we had so many injuries and things like that, but things just haven't gone the way they've expected. Uh, you try to fight through it. You try to, again, not make excuses, but uh, goaltending has been a big issue all season long, and and you move forward. The, the team competes. They're, they play well against a lot of good teams. <laughs> it's excuse me, it's that learning to win phase and closing games out and making the big play at the right time, and, and you have to experience that. You have to go through that. So you just keep trucking along, and, and I think it will get better moving forward, but this year wasn't. What we expected for sure, we thought it would be better. So certainly a growing pain season, and we get that. Last year was was much the same. Like like future-wise, when you start, Kenny, to think about, all right, the Devils will compete for a playoff spot. Is next year realistic? Are we looking two years down the road? Like, Give us uh, your feel for, for how long it might take. I, I think you always have to go uh, in the season with the mentality you, you can be a playoff team. And if things fall into place and they stay healthy and – and the goaltending uh, holds up, and or they make a few additions, which I believe they will. The ownership's all in here as far as the, as far as whatever it takes to make the team better. Now you got to make the right decisions, but I, I think it's kind of like this season. We're going to expect to come in and be playing competitive games for sure next year in March, and and you have there's a lot of uh, luck involved and circumstance from the standpoint. You have to stay healthy, and yeah, we need maybe a few goal-scoring wingers, but the defense is much better this year. Unfortunately, like I said, the goaltending uh, situation was a tough one with, with all the different guys they've had to use. Uh, but you have to go in with that, that mentality. I believe they, they can. They, it turns quickly for different teams. You see it year in, year out with the competitive balance. Uh, if you, know, you get on that winning uh, mentality and streak and understand what it takes to win games on a nightly basis in the National Hockey League, it can turn quickly. So you have to go in with that mindset. Realistically, is it maybe a couple of years away? Well, that might be the case, but but I, uh, I'm i always the guy with a glass-half-full guy that believes we've got a lot of good pieces. I mean, when you got Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer, Jesper Bratt, you know, Dougie Hamilton when he gets healthy uh, as your number one defenseman, you know, there's some good pieces here, and you just have to build around it and believe that uh, – you can take that next step sooner than later, despite uh, the tough season this year, which which uh, all of us thought was going to be better. Ken Danico from the MSG Networks joining us here covers the Devils on the Hockey Show on 9870 ESPN. So uh, the trade deadline is just a, a little bit more than a month away in the NHL. What do you expect? I mean, obviously they're not going to be buyers at the deadline, but do you, you expect the Devils to be big sellers at the deadline? Well, I, I think they may make a few moves, obviously. And I, I think sometimes just 
you know, to maybe change up the chemistry when, when things don't go the way you expect it. You, you might make some moves, but they're listening. I know that. And I will certainly look at a few uh, options along the way. I mean, as far as a couple of free agents, whether a P.K. Subban, you might get with the salary cap. It makes it a little more complicated. You may have to eat some money to get <clears throat> a little better package along the way. You know, he's a veteran guy that, that probably could help some teams as far as a depth defenseman. Um, but just an inkling, I, I think they're going to try to make a move as far as, and it doesn't mean just draft picks because we, we've had a lot of draft picks in the last little while. Uh, but regardless, not being, you know, in the playoff hunt, you know, in a hockey trade where, where you maybe uh, trade a player or two just to get a little different dynamic on your team. So I, I'm interested to see that. I don't have a crystal ball, but, uh, just my feeling is that maybe we make a deal or two here, certainly. And guys, I'd have to look at the, the unrestricted free agents, but there's only a few of them, I believe, uh, for the Devils. And P.K. Subban is certainly one of those guys. So I'm sure they will make a trade or two, uh, but it remains to be seen if it's a hockey trade, draft picks, or, or what the Devils are going to do by the deadline. But uh, I, I know they're going to look. All right, so something we like to do here on the Hockey Show is kind of a where are they now segment. Now, most people know what you're doing, and they get to see you often covering the Devils for MSG, but give us kind of an overview. Like, like what, what's going on in your life? Uh, where, where are you now, Ken Danico, outside of your, your work with uh, MSG and the Devils? <laughs> oh, where am I? I'm a transplanted Jersey, and so this is my home. I've been here 38 years. Blessed to be part of the Devils organization for 38, 39 years, uh, something like that, give or take a year or two in the organization. It's family, certainly, and I'm grateful for that. Uh, uh, I didn't know where New Jersey was when I came here in 1982 and was drafted the original year they came from Colorado. Uh, but I love it and uh, transplanted in the community and, and, and do a lot of, you know, a, a giving back when you can and charitable, charitable events. I have my own golf charity for a center for great expectations, which is a house for, for women that, uh, uh, have children or are pregnant and addicted, uh, whether it's drugs or alcohol or, or just been, um, um, you know, had a tough, tough upbringing along the way and abuse, whatever it may be. And they just do wonderful work. It's, it's local in Somerset, Jersey, and, and New Jersey, and and uh, I'm glad I can lend a hand. I think we're going. I don't even know what year we're going on, 15th or 16th year on our golf outing, and uh, they're just great people there that help help a lot of people. So I'm really engaged with them. It's a nice thing. And uh, what else? I have three dogs, and uh, I'm a big dog lover. Puck, Stanley, and Tilly, uh, and my wife and me. Those are our kids now. But I have two grown-up children, 27 and 22, that. Uh, you still guide uh, as much as you can along the way. My son's graduating the Berkeley uh, College of Music, so that's his passion in Boston, a real good school, and uh, you know he's plugging along, and I'm proud of him because he wasn't a hockey guy. He found his own passion, and he's broadened my horizons. He's got a lot of talent. He's a singer, so uh, you know uh, I guess that kind of wraps it up in a nutshell. A lot as far as just family and uh, you know. Being active in the community when I can here in the state of Jersey because the state's been so good to me along the way. Wow, great update by you. And b- before I let you go, uh, you have three dogs. Would you like a fourth or a fifth? Because I have two that are under a year of age, and they are impossible. So can I interest you in a, in a, in a white lab by chance? 
Well, I will, I will tell you, and I grew up with labs with my kids, and now I have a golden doodle, a sheep, a doodle, and a Westie, and uh, what a combination. And, yeah, it gets hectic, and it takes – it's very time-consuming, obviously, but we love it. I would take 10 dogs if I had the time, but with the travel and work schedule, and my wife works in the city as well, so we can't take on anymore, no. but uh, I, I love it. There, you come home, you're in a good mood, bad mood, had a – a good day or a, or a bad day along the way. Uh, it's unconditional love, right? So we have a one-year-old cheap doodle that is full of energy. The other two are a little older, and they're nine and eight, and they're a little more laid back. But uh, uh, the young one, Philly, keeps keeps a lot of uh, spice in our house for sure with the other two. <laughs> All right, we may make a move before the deadline in, in our home, just just to let you know. Ken, Kenny, great stuff. Uh, I'm glad that you gave us the update on the Devils. Got to know a little bit about what's going on with you, all the charitable causes that you're involved with. Appreciate you and uh, hope to talk to you real soon. Uh, pleasure to be on with you. Thanks for having me, pal. All right, absolutely. That Kenny Danico of the MSG Networks. Give us a little this and a little that. We will take a quick break, come back, and look ahead to the three locals next right here on The Hockey Show with you on 98.7 ESPN. Let's get a little extra money in your pocket. Andy from Eric presents your wager plays for this weekend, February 19th and 20th. For Saturday the 19th, I'm looking at the Red Hot Flames to fillet the Seattle Kraken. For Sunday, February 20th, we can go back to the locals. The Islanders should have no problem with the Montreal Canadiens in an afternoon tilt at UBS. While the Rangers are off to Ottawa, the well-rested blue shirt should light the lamp early and often against the Senators. Play the over with confidence. Andy from Merrick's wager plays are for entertainment only. As always... Bet with your head, not with your heart. Gambling problem? Dial 877-8-HOPE-NY or text H-O-P-E-N-Y. Now back to The Hockey Show with Dave Rothenberg. Presented by the All-American Auto Group. The number one Ford auto group in the Northeast. Learn more at allamericanford.net. And welcome as we get ready to hand it off to Joe Wiz here on 98.7 ESPN. It is the Hockey Show brought to you by the great people at Slowman's. Call 1-800-ALARM-ME to receive a free doorbell camera with installation of your Slowman shield. Keep your family safe. Call 1-800-ALARM-ME. Now, typically at this portion of the show, we do our look ahead to the three locals of what they have coming up this week. We will, of course, do that in just a moment, but... Something happened yesterday on Long Island. I think we need to spend just a, a couple of moments. We actually have some sound on that as well. Uh, as we know, Clark Gillies passed away recently. And Bruce Blakeman, who's a Nassau County executive, along with um, Islanders co-owner John Ledecky, they were on the island and they were at the, the dome of the executive and legisl- legislative building uh, yesterday, late morning, early afternoon. And they decided to to light the building in orange and blue in honor of Clark Gilly. So, of course, uh, Islanders owner John Ledecky was there. Islanders great Bob Nystrom was there. Butch Goring was there as well. And, you know, we've spent a lot of time discussing Clark Gillies on this show, but I thought it was necessary to kind of, you know, hear some of the sound and reflect a little bit on Clark Gillies, who is one of the the all-time great New York hockey players that we've had in this town. So we'll start with the, the owner. Here is John Ledecky, the story of Gillies and Islanders alumni. And Clark made every alumni of the New York Islanders feel at home. My best story about Clark is that a man who played one game in the NHL for us named Peter Micah from the Czech Republic flew over for our alumni weekend 
and Clark embraced him and treated him like he had played a thousand games for the New York Islanders. And at the end of Clark's interaction with this man who had traveled 8,000 miles to come be part of Alumni Weekend, he came over to me and he started to cry that Clark Gillies, the great Clark Gillies, the Hall of Famer, the winner of four Stanley Cups, had made him feel like he had been an Islander for life. And that was Clark in a nutshell. It's easy to have the spotlight on you when you're a big-time athlete and everyone is focusing on you, but when they're not and you're still a decent, good human being, that is kind of the definition of someone. Um, Islanders teammate Bob Nystrom, and I know that Nystrom was really broken up upon the death of Clark Gillies, so I'm sure none of this is easy for him, but he doesn't even talk about Gillies, the, the player. It's what he was off the ice, the charity work of, of Clark Gillies. I love this guy. I, I also envied him. He had such a zest for life. Yes, he was one hell of a hockey player, but that was only the short time in his life. What he did after hockey will be his legacy. He dedicated his life to the people of Long Island. And if you can find someone on Long Island that doesn't know the name Clark Gillies, then they must have moved here yesterday. He never said no to anyone that had a charitable event. I know for a fact that Clark set a record for being out most nights helping other people with their charitable events. Not only has he raised millions of dollars for the Clark Gillies Foundation, he also did it for hundreds of other charities on Long Island. I often wondered if he ever slept. And that, of course, was Bobby Nystrom. And you can hear the emotion, and understandably so, uh, in his voice. And then... The man that uh, that that calls the Islander games, Butch Goring, is the color analyst uh, for the Islanders on on MSG. Uh, he discusses his his former teammate as well, Clark Gillies, but a different avenue here, and that's the the leadership that Clark brought to the ice every night. He wasn't a guy that in the dressing room that that said a lot, but. I remember we were going through a streak where we weren't playing very good hockey and, and everybody was upset, including the coach, Al Arbor. And, and I remember getting up in the dressing room and, and saying a couple things to the to the guys. And then I, uh, I sat down and then all of a sudden, Clark got up, he picked up his skate and he threw it about 30 feet up against the chalkboard. And he said, we don't need anybody how to tell us how to play. We know how to play. We'd already won two Stanley Cups. And I'll tell you what, that woke everybody up because that just didn't happen from Clark Gillies. And he was screaming for about 10 minutes. The entire Coliseum, everybody that was working there was in disarray because they just, they didn't know what was going on. They thought that maybe there's a huge brawl in the dressing room. So that was his leadership. He, he didn't say it all that often, but when he did, uh, you, you did listen to him. And the Islanders went on to win two more on top of the two they had already won up to that point. So we, we wanted to spend a couple minutes discussing and, and hearing from, from the guys that were closest to uh to Clark Gillies and, and a great honor happening out on, on Long Island uh, yesterday afternoon. Uh, all right, let's take a look at the upcoming schedule presented by the All-American Auto Group with locations in Paramus, Hackensack, Old Bridge, and Point Pleasant. The number one Ford Auto Group in the Northeast, allamericanford.net. Let's start with the Rangers. Um, clearly so far this season, the most successful of the three local teams. Uh, Rangers tomorrow... 4.30, you can catch the game right here on 98.7 ESPN. North of the border, Rangers take on the Senators in a game that realistically they should 
figure out a way to get the two points out of that one. So tomorrow, um, 4.30, Rangers-Senators right here on 98.7, puck drop at 5. Then on Thursday, back at the Garden, an all-important matchup against the Capitals, 6.30 pre, 7 o'clock, uh, drop of the puck, also here on 98.7 ESPN. So a light week for the Rangers, off from Thursday to Sunday, and then Sunday to Thursday again. Only two games this week for the Rangers. As far as the Islanders are concerned, a busy week and a vitally important week. Tomorrow, they also travel to Canada, taking on the worst team in hockey. That's the Canadians. That's at 1.30. You can catch that game over on 10.50 a.m. Then on Tuesday, Islanders travel yet again out to Seattle, and they have some... Some scores to settle with the Kraken, who beat them 3 nothing at home earlier this season, just a couple weeks ago. So that's Tuesday, 9.30 in Seattle. and catch that game right here on 98.7 ESPN. And a hockey doubleheader on Thursday. Rangers-Capitals at 6.30, followed by the Islanders at the Sharks at 10 o'clock right here on 98.7 ESPN. And the Devils, long time off for them. Haven't played a game since this past Tuesday, Next Thursday, so we're still five days away from the Devils getting back in action. They're at Pittsburgh at 7 o'clock. And then they don't play for nine days. And then they're back-to-back next Friday. uh, Devils play again 8.30 in Chicago against the Blackhawks. So Islanders, the only team of the three that have more than two games. And that's three for the Islanders this coming week. So there you have it. That is what we like to say is the hockey show. Huge thanks to Andy from Merrick, our executive producer, does a great job. Big thanks to Anthony Pusick, does a phenomenal job every week, as does the great Ray Dinahan as well. Joe Wiz is next. I'll be back at 9 o'clock this morning. And of course, I'll be back Monday morning at 5 o'clock with DiPietro. I'll be the company portion of the show. And next week, we'll do this hockey thing once again. Joe Wiz is next, right here on 98.7 ESPN. Thanks for listening to The Hockey Show with Dave Rothenberg, presented by the All-American Auto Group, the number one Ford auto group in the Northeast. Learn more at allamericanford.net.